This is Yorkast, hosted by the York Politics Society. Hi everyone, uh, we're back. Uh, I'm Charlie. I'm Georgia. Uh, and today we wanted to uh, talk about um, the case of Shamima Begum. It's sort of uh, re-emerged the story thanks to uh, her winning her right to fight for her UK citizenship in court, I believe. So we're going to be touching on that. Well, when she um, was trying to come back to the country, I think it was last year, was it? When she um, mm. was found by that reporter in that Syrian refugee camp and she'd like fled from IS because pretty much they were like losing all of their strongholds and like the US army mm. was kind of shutting them down. Um, she was just stripped of her citizenship by um, Savage of Savage of I don't know his name, but um, that guy, Savage Javid. And um, the High Court, I think it was last week, ruled that it's pretty much illegal to leave someone stateless because they were trying to say that she could claim Bangladeshi citizenship, but then Bangladesh turned on and were like, she's never been here. And if she comes here, she'll face the death penalty because they have like, they impose the death penalty for terrorism. So right. she's been so like, she's not going to, she's not going to claim that. Then. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was yeah. quite, quite an interesting case because there's in, it's quite a rare one, really, because it was her and three other girls who went out with her originally. They went out in 2015, mm. I think it was, and they were only 15 when they went out. And they, yeah. there was a lot of questions at the time about um, how they even got there in the first place, like how the British government didn't realise that these girls were being radicalised. Because what I didn't realise until I was like kind of reading about it for this podcast was that they would go in out following one of their friends who had already gone out to Syria the year before. And her name was um, Shamina Begum, actually quite similar. But um, she'd been radicalized and she'd gone out. And then um, the three girls, um, Shamima and her two friends who who went with her, they were kind of, their families weren't really made aware of how serious the situation was. And then obviously they went to Syria and now um, mm. two of them have died. And Shimaima is actually the only one of the three who's still alive. Yeah. Uh, and like from what I've gathered from like what I've read about it, um, it's, yeah, like you said, she went to when she was 15. Um, and like, and like pretty well, all of the people who uh, go off to fight ISIS, they're kind of groomed into doing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, she was fifteen. She shouldn't have been allowed to travel. She used her sister's passport to leave the country. Yeah. So that was like a failure of of uh, of uh, the UK government on that part. Um, and and not to say she doesn't like any individual agency. Like I still think you'd obviously she shouldn't have uh, joined ISIS. But I think what really complicates the whole case is that she had a kid in that refugee camp yeah uh and it after um she was stripped of uk citizenship um which meant she was stuck there uh the kid died um now obviously you know kids die in infancy that's not uncommon but like 
would it still have died had it you know been able to come back here i don't know hard to say you know yeah. refugee camps aren't exactly the most sanitary places and you know you would imagine that a child is more vulnerable to illnesses and and lack of food and all that sort of thing in yeah. a refugee camp definitely and, and i think so like sorry oh you go no i'm just gonna say i think the thing that looks kind of the most shocking about that kind of story as well was the fact that like she'd been put back on britain's radar by that point like she'd been identified by the press and everyone knew that she was there with a baby and then a month later the baby died and it was kind of like there was a bit of responsibility because it wasn't she had apparently she had three children and they'd all died but obviously the other two had died like while she was still a member of is so there was nothing really that Mm. could have been done but with this third baby she was trying to come back to the uk and she was like her main kind of please come back into the country was like for the sake of the baby and then like Mm. the baby did kind of die on britain's watch i guess yeah well like yeah it doesn't really matter what uh, you think of, of Shemima Begum, the baby obviously didn't join ISIS. It had no say in the situation at all. Um, yeah. And its mother was a UK citizen. Uh, you know, the UK could have allowed her to come back. She would presumably have gone on trial and gone to prison for joining ISIS. You know, that is a crime here as well. Um, but then the kid would have been raised, you know, through social services or whatever. Obviously not the best life ever but it's better than dying Um, (laughs) yeah uh and yeah you know it wasn't the kids any i think this baby kind of wasn't end up in that situation yeah it was like the kid wasn't given a chance of life just because i think a lot of politicians were focused on kind of making a political example out of shemima begum because it was like it was it was a very easy pr move because she had that interview with was it sky i think yeah Um, generated a lot of publicity and then she basically was you know like the most hated person in the uk for for a bit um and so it made it a very easy decision for the government to do that um but they clearly didn't give you know many thoughts to the repercussions of it um yeah. it was talked about at the time that you know they'd be making us stateless and that was illegal um and yeah obviously the ethical question of uh of a child that you know they could have very easily saved uh and you know allowed to have not been a refugee when you know that kid it was a baby like it didn't do anything yeah um, so yeah like this whole this whole story yeah it was like a thing i don't it was a year ago less than a year ago i, can't, I don't remember yeah that. i think it was about a year ago but honestly time's moving so weird lately who knows <laughs> yeah um so like uh, it's kind of the the court case has opened this whole can of worms and now like obviously the child's dead so it's just her trying to get back um yeah and on a league from a legal standpoint it does seem like she should be allowed to uh you know to make her case in court and and and, and stuff um you know either it'll, either it'll end with sort of a very long process and she'll just remain in in Syria in a refugee camp and you know that'll be the end of it or she'll come back here and presumably be put on trial and go to prison for being a member of a terrorist organization but it's is it's just a it, I don't know I was very frustrated when all of this happened last year um 
the UK government's response. It was very uh, clearly um, just to appease certain groups of, of voters and like the decision to uh, strip her of her citizenship and there wasn't any thought given to uh, what could happen to the child because of that. Um, they decided that uh, some, basically a publicity stunt was more valuable than the life of a child or any kind of uh, human rights or international law uh, things that would be broken. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know where this will go. It might, it, I mean, it came up in the news like a week ago and there's not really been much noise about it since because, well, this is a legal thing, and especially now this, it'll take a long time for any progress to be made on it. But yeah, yeah. apparently um, I saw that apparently she's going to try and start kind of getting the ball rolling with this whole citizenship case next week. But I'm right. not too sure what will come of that. Mm. But obviously, I think for a lot of people as well, it was a very good kind of excuse to kind of steer up some closeted Islamophobic beliefs that they were harboring. And a lot of it was focused not just on her kind of being a terrorist, but it was a lot of hate kind of directed towards Muslims in general. People started to kind of talk about where she was from, like in London and like the mosque she went to and her family. And there was a lot of like blame being passed around and kind of mm. hate kind of stirred up for Muslim communities in Britain when really it, you do kind of have to look and think if three girls have been radicalized, well, four girls, if you include their friend who went the year before them, if four vulnerable girls, and then they were teenagers at the end of the day, they were 15 years old. It's very easy to kind of sit and say, oh, when I was 15, I would have known to not join ISIS. And it's like, well, that's really good. Like, I'm glad you would, but a lot of people, you know, clearly it works for some people, like the radicalization works because I think I read something like by that time, some, like some 850 people had gone from the UK to join ISIS. Mm, yeah, it, it's been a sort of trickling thing that's been happening for years now. Um, and I don't think uh, putting the blame on the individuals or like, yeah, like their local uh, sort of Muslim communities from where they live uh, is really going to address the problem. And it's it's the, you know, ISIS, probably the most noteworthy thing about ISIS, you know, given how they're kind of becoming a bit of a footnote now, like they're not really... Uh, uh, a major sort of force in the Middle East anymore. There's yeah. other sort of terrorist groups who have, uh, you know, as this sort of thing, how, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, I've kind of surpassed them, but are, are, you know, make, are a much larger threat to uh, various states and interests there. Um, the only noteworthy thing about ISIS looking back on them was their ability to, uh, you know, entice young uh, Muslims from western countries who are you know kind of relatively well off <laughs> relatively in the sense that you know they're not um in these extremely deprived and um yeah bombed out parts of the middle east uh you know, kids in in the uk in france germany etc to 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 come to uh syria and iraq to fight um and and the focus should be on how to prevent that, and it's not about just having a go at uh, the people who sort of uh, uh, are lured in by um, this grooming that goes on, but you know to um, 
acknowledge that there are serious kind of vulnerabilities in in the UK about uh, uh, with regards to terror and how it can appeal to some people given their sort of you know individual situation um, and what you were saying as well about uh, sort of Islamophobia it, it's 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 difficult to avoid thinking about maybe the UK's reaction to all this would have been different if that baby was white mm-hmm. uh, it would have been entitled to UK citizenship uh, and it you know could have come here back here and lived uh, been educated you know and grown up with having absolutely zero connections to ISIS or you know uh, I mean or even Islam uh, you know depending on yeah. I don't know how uh, um, sort of uh the social care um i don't want to call it uh system in the uk works with that sort of thing but um yeah i i I don't know the i wish it had been done differently um and it's kind of annoying because it uh shamima herself is is still extremely unpopular and so i feel like that makes it difficult for people to uh see the full scope of the situation and the ramifications uh for any kind of future situation where we have uh young people who are specifically the targets of 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 terrorist groups because they're more vulnerable they're more impressionable um you know what it can mean for them in the future um if any other you know enterprising uh sort of sectarian group uses similar strategies that isis did to recruit youngsters from the uk um the fact that uk would have would the uk government would happily just chuck them by the wayside yeah uh, and any you know children that they might have as well it's kind of concerning and so i'm glad that it's it's re-emerged as an issue and that uh she's gonna fight her case in court uh not that i necessarily you know am so desperate for her to (laughs) become a free person again but like you know for the precedent it would set legally uh and i don't know to maybe change some people's attitude towards the whole thing i think as well it's Uh, like it's a wait it's like i've been so loud but i think it's like a big problem because it does set a kind of dangerous precedent if you do have because terrorism like you said is like a recurring problem and even though like is are kind of off the radar now and like they've been pretty much obliterated by um the military like particularly the u.s military but that doesn't mean that there's like never going to be another terrorist group like terrorism is always kind of on the radar and i think if this was to happen again in a couple of years time and you've got groups of young vulnerable teenagers particularly like um young females who you know go in to middle eastern countries to be married off to like you know m- older like terrorist men pretty much who have been the ones who have been grooming them like non-stop like through the internet and like through text and message and what not what like are we just going to keep ignoring kind of them forever because the uk government was pretty like um they were quite happy just to leave her stateless they kind of said oh well she can be bangladesh's problem and then bangladesh were like no she's never been here like she is your problem and i think Hmm. that's kind of a really bad attitude of the uk government to have to kind of say oh well even though she was born here her entire family's here you know she is a british citizen as soon 
if she like flees to join a terrorist organization we're not gonna give her like due process or like a fair trial we're just gonna say that she can go to yeah. bangladesh like yeah uh, i think ult- ultimately the the fact that she was a uk citizen meant that she was entitled to you know have a to be tried by a jury of her peers you know to to have fair sort of representation in court and fight her case and everything uh it's kind of worrying that uh the uk government will kind of um circumvent all of that and just make you stateless and you know which could leave you know i mean given that she went out when she was 15 um you know and like you said (laughs) uh i imagine people listening to this you know were thinking of joining a terrorist group when they were 15 <laughs> you could do something you could do something stupid when you're 15 oh, um gosh yeah. and, and you'd, you'd much rather that you'd uh be entitled to come home face the repercussions of that but then still you know be a uk citizen and you know be completely cut off uh from any kind of lifeline because of that um yeah i don't know it's, i think it's a shame a problem with kind of Shemima as well, I think, when she did the press kind of circuit and she did like the interviews for the news and whatever, she did. She's very arrogant. Wasn't yeah, it? she did kind of come across as if she was still radicalized. And oh, what did she say? She was like, he has no proof that I'm a threat other than I was an ISIS, but that's it. <laughs> and everyone was like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she didn't seem very remorse- remorseful. She also didn't seem very clever. Um and I definitely do, didn't do her any favors. But again, it's yeah. not just about her individual case, but um, uh, what what the government thinks they can get away with, yeah, you know, from the precedent of her uh, whole situation and with uh, just stripping over her citizenship. So the the government, you know, thinks, oh, we could do that again. That went down pretty well. If anything, a lot of people were very supportive of yeah. that. Um, and yeah, I think it's dangerous. Bit of a slippery slope. Um, but yeah uh, definitely a bit of a slippery slope because it, it, it does kind of raise questions of you know if they can do it once like they'll do it again and it's like when when do you kind of if nobody's questioning it you do just kind of accept that oh the government whoever the government strips it as a chip off oh they must be bad because like look they did it to like terrorists so they mm. can just do it to whoever they want and I think yeah. for um, Sajid Javid it was it was like a poli- like he d- he was trying to score political points with it hmm. but i just think it didn't sit right with me as much either these were like three 15 year old girls who you know had clearly been radicalized while in the uk and it came out like after they got into syria that the girl that had gone before them um Shamim, shamina begum her mum had died had like was terminally ill and had died of cancer like during the time that she was being radicalized so she was clearly like a vulnerable young girl and then her friends kind of followed her out and they were clearly like in some sort of vulnerable position because otherwise like they wouldn't have been open to radicalization i guess and then for the government to just kind of not even acknowledge that maybe they could have done something to prevent this because they do have kind of a responsibility to make sure that this doesn't happen to people and i think it kind of works for them when they are kind of appealing to this voter base that they have where they kind of can pass off the message that oh well um if you don't want to be radicalized then just don't because you should know not to yeah like like you said hundreds of 
of, of people from the UK have travelled to Syria to join ISIS. Um, and so it's not just like this is a unique thing that's happened to yeah. uh, Shalima Begum. This was like almost a kind of systemic problem where you have young people in the UK leaving what you could be considered as relative comfort, flying off to a war zone, um, you know, rather than just blame those individuals, maybe they should, the, the government should take a bit of a responsibility and address the kind of wider problem that it's symptomatic of, which is that, you know, uh, young Muslims in the UK feel, um, not obviously not all, uh, uh, you know, some young Muslims in the UK feel compelled to yeah. fly across the world to join a terrorist group. Um, that, that, you know, that shows a problem in uh, with uh, the UK's sort of counter-terrorism uh, objectives and operation and um, a more sort of general problem with uh, the situation that um, uh, sort of Muslim or uh, Asian communities in the UK have. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you just continue to... If the government continues to act the way they did around this specific case, it could just lead to further problems down the road. Um, yeah, and I just think they could have taken a bit more responsibility, acknowledged that this... Sure, um, you know, there is blame to be had for the people going out there but also it's indicative of a problem that the uk government could do something to address um, and they've shown no interest in doing that unfortunately they seem quite uh happy to have this uh, uh jingoistic attitude instead um for stripping yeah. over citizenship and kind of uh you know as a celebratory pr sort of thing um it just felt very immature of like a government to do that um yeah, especially but, when you consider that, like, she's still only 20 years old. When you, she's like, our age. Yeah, <laughs> like, I still feel, feel like, you know, I think we're still, like, relatively young. And then when you think back to being 15, you kind of do put it into perspective of how young she really was when she was radicalised. And I think, yeah. you know, going back to it all the time, but it's like, it is very kind of easy to say, well, I wasn't radicalized by ISIS, so nobody needs to be radicalized by ISIS. But yeah, at the end of the day, like, like you said, there clearly was a problem because like upwards of eight hundred and fifty people like fled to go and join them. So there clearly is a problem of disenfranchisement amongst amongst like some Muslims in the UK and the way that they are like treated yeah. like in society and by the government as well. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's not just uh, the ISIS are very catchy propaganda videos. As there has to be, you know, there has to be a push factor as well as a pull yeah. factor for for these people to be going there. Um, and uh, yeah, this whole case in court has opened up this can of worms and uh, given us opportunity to reflect on it, especially now that time has passed and uh, it wasn't such a um, uh, yeah, political kind of frenzy as it was when it was a story last year um and now that the child has died uh and everything yeah. you know should hopefully teach some lessons about the consequences of making someone stateless they're quite serious uh and it, you know it can lead to people dying because yeah you know being stateless in that part of the world uh you know refugee camps uh 
puts you in a, a really difficult position and it's one thing if you're yeah. uh, a 20-year-old woman who's gone to join ISIS it's another thing if you're a, a you know a four-week-old child who has absolutely you know no uh responsibility or blame to be had for where the situation that they've ended up in yeah you exactly know, when the UK when the UK government could have acted differently and they could have been safe so it, yeah, it, that's yeah. It's very That's sad that this position. baby was kind of used as collateral damage by the government just to kind of prove some point of why yeah. you shouldn't go and join terrorist organizations because right. it, it was trying to be like a big and bold move. Like we have a zero tolerance attitude of terrorists. Like if you go and, go and join ISIS, this is what's going to happen to you. Like we will not welcome you back. But then it's like, like you said, this baby didn't, choose to go and join isis like he didn't flee mm. to syria he they like he just happened to be born and like yeah it was in ultimately it was the baby who paid the most consequences for it because even shemima herself now you know who like was a terrorist and you know has had some extremely kind of damaging views when it comes to like you know the manchester bombing and like um she was talking about like she wasn't really phased when she saw the head ins and stuff. And obviously that is someone who's been completely radicalized. And it's like, it's ongoing kind of radicalization as well. I think people seem to think that, you know, you get radicalized, then you go to Syria and then that's that. But you, when you're kind of in that environment and you're married to a terrorist who's out committing like terrorist attacks, like constantly, mm. and you're like completely immersed in that environment, I think a lot of people kind of realize that then like it's wrong because I think her friend Khadiza um, Sultana, she was one who was kind of plan um, hoping to escape, but then she was sadly killed in a um, airstrike like um, by Russian by the Russian army. So I think it didn't really help her case that she doesn't sound remorseful like the way that you expect people to sound when they come back from being in like an isis like stronghold yeah. but i think she's still going back to the point she still gets to kind of fight her case like she's still alive and she can still like come back to the uk and say what she wants and you know make a case whereas this child now just didn't even like get that at all yeah and, and, and radicalization is a it's not like an overnight thing it's a, a gradual process uh and similarly you can be de-radicalized as well um, it doesn't seem yeah. to be any kind of appreciation that that could be a strategy, you know, rather than just yeah. the moment you are radicalized or considered radicalized, you're done. Uh, you know, when these people are 20 or even teenagers or something. Um, yeah, or in the case of, of, of the baby, you know, um, c completely without uh, human agency. Okay, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, um, Georgia and I will be uh, back to do another episode in a few weeks' time. Um, and that will be on... We'll finally be talking about coronavirus, the sort of global response to the pandemic, uh, the UK and the US as well. Um, as At the time of recording, there have been announcements made uh, from... Uh, 
that the UK is going to quarantine people coming back from Spain, which is quite topical. So we'll see what the situation is in three weeks, but um, we'll be yes. likely touching on that I'm currently here well. right now, so... But you're in Spain right now? Yeah. Oh, God. So, so just wait. Uh, I'm I'm in a good position, though, because I'm kind of here indefinitely. So I'm just I'm just okay. going to wait it out yeah. and see. I'm just waiting until the government says you don't need to quarantine anymore. But my dad, <laughs> he's going back on next Tuesday, so he's going to have to do the quarantine. Oh, no. So we were literally sitting on the beach the other day, and they and I checked my phone, and then they brought the quarantine back, and oh, it's really <laughs> it's really fun. So is he going home? Is anyone going to be there at home when he gets there, or is he just going to be? Is he going to have to like self isolate no. on his own? Yeah, I think it's gonna. He's going to have to do it on his own. So oh. I'm not really sure how that's going to. He's going to have to do like food deliveries and, and stuff. Work for him. I don't think he's looking forward to it very much. I don't think it's no. going to be a very lonely two weeks. Yeah. He's going to have to just get really into some TV shows or something. <laughs> yeah. Like get some new hobbies. Yeah. Next time I see him, he'll be like a maestro or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll be uh, discussing all of this at length uh, in a few weeks time. And that will also uh, be my last episode as a host of the show. Um, I'm going to study in France for a year um in september and so it makes sense for me to uh pass on the baton to someone new um even though it'll be like likely some kind of online election uh in october it will still there will still be an election for my role so if anyone any anyone listening is interested in uh uh running um then feel free to message me because i'll be i'll be doing a handover for georgia anyway sort of going over the yes i'll still be here yeah so if anyone fancies if you just have been enjoying listening to this conversation so much that you just want to do it instead. Um, uh, yeah, if I, I've been, I'm going to be putting together uh, like uh, stuff about the technical things of the podcast, like uh, the actual process of recording, editing, publishing, that sort of thing. Um, and anyone interested in taking my role, uh, feel free to message and I can run you through like, you know, what it's like to, to do the show. Um you know, maybe if you're still interested, then please do run. I imagine there'll be an uh, EGM uh, election in October, round about then. Um, okay, so, all right, we'll, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Um, and thanks for listening. Yes, thank you, bye. Bye. Well, I always sound like I'm hanging up a phone call when I say that. <laughs> I, I nearly ended the call. <laughs> it would have been like... <laughs>